I think I really relate with people who picked up sourdough during the pandemic. I think sourdough, for me personally, provided a lot of structure in my life at a moment when I was kind of like really lost and didn't know what was next for me. I would wake up every day, feed my starter, kind of see what was going on with it, go to the blogs and kind of read about it and learn something new about it every day and it just kind of just like a distraction at the time and also a really great way to have structure in my life at a time that was really confusing and I didn't have any. This is the Sourdough Podcast, the show about the innovators, leaders, and creative trailblazers in our sourdough community and the stories behind the bread. On this episode of the Sourdough Podcast, I interview blogger and baker Hannah De La Cruz, who just released her first cookbook, Everyday Sourdough. Hannah shares how she discovered sourdough during a transitional time in her life and how her Filipino heritage informed her understanding of good food and good bread. She describes how she developed the recipes in her book and how she incorporates sourdough in delicious ways you wouldn't have thought possible. Welcome back for another season of the Sourdough Podcast. It's my privilege to share with you my conversations with people from all around our sourdough community. Whether you've been baking for decades or just started COVID baking in the last few months, I hope you are inspired by what you hear. Maybe you'll be motivated to try a new recipe, experiment with locally grown grain, or maybe double your two-loaf recipe for the first time and share a couple with your neighbors. Last year was the year I started my cottage bakery, Mission Bakehouse, to serve my local community, and it would never have happened if it wasn't for the inspiration and encouragement I found through the sourdough community, my guests, and of course, you, my listeners. So what brave new challenge will you take on this year? As we start this third new season of the podcast, I wanted to take a moment to thank a few very special listeners who made contributions to the podcast over the break and made this season possible. A special shout out to Stuart McGill, Noemi Mollet of Wonderloaf Bakes, Jay Rosenthal, who says, I've been loving the podcast and been baking a sourdough weekly for two and a half years now. Thanks for all the work and these amazing interviews. Allison Molesby, who says, I wanted to show my support here from the Proof Bakery in Texas. I love listening while I bake and on my occasional drives to go buy flour. I find it so comforting to know there are other bakers out there experiencing the same hurdles and overcoming them with persistence and hard work. Hope you keep doing what you're doing and thank you. So thank you, Stuart, Noemi, Jay, and Allison so much for listening and for your support and your kind messages. I also wanted to take this opportunity to express my gratitude for Tyler Kartner at Wire Monkey Shop, the creator of the amazing UFO LOM we all love to use. Nearly two years ago, Tyler graciously agreed to a collaboration idea I had to make a sourdough podcast UFO to help support the podcast and get the LOMs in the hands of my guests. With the funds raised through the sourdough podcast UFO, this year I've been able to purchase a new microphone and other upgrades to my home podcast studio with the goal of bringing you all higher quality recordings and interviews. So huge thanks goes out to Tyler. And I also wanted to mention the Bakers in Need Fund, which me and Hannah will talk about later in the podcast. Tyler created Bakers in Need earlier last year to help bakers who are in financial duress due to the coronavirus using Instagram as an outreach platform. The fund is now officially a 501c3 nonprofit organization making all donations tax deductible. 
It's such a great way to support our sourdough community, and it will continue to support those in need even once this pandemic is over, which, as we all know, can't come anytime sooner. So if you're looking for a great tool to score your loaves and want to help support a company doing good like WireMonkey, this podcast, and a great nonprofit, look no further than the UFO Lom by WireMonkey and the Bakers in Need Fund. You can find links to everything at thesourdoughpodcast.com or wiremonkey.com. And now, here's my interview with Hannah De La Cruz. My guest today is Hannah De La Cruz. Hannah is a baker, award-winning blogger, and author of the recently released Sourdough Cookbook entitled Sourdough Every Day, Your Guide to Using Active and Discard Starter for Artisan Bread, Rolls, Pastas, Sweets, and More. In 2019, Hannah won the Saver Magazine Reader's Choice Blog Award for Best Special Interest Blog, and I have the honor of having her today as my first guest of Season 3 on the Sourdough Podcast. Welcome, Hannah, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's so great to finally talk with you in person after you know so much email correspondence. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your show, Michael, and thank you again for the very generous recommendation you wrote for my cookbook. Oh, you you bet! It was an honor for you to think of me. I I, I couldn't have imagined a cooler book to, to you know to get sent to me just to read and, and review. And so, yeah, no, it's totally my, my pleasure. Well, I first just wanted to acknowledge uh, what a successful, I mean, what I can only imagine must have been such a fun two years for you have been. Um, you started your blog in 2018 and you won the Saver Blog Award in 2019. And then, of course, you just published your book this year. Um, congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's definitely been such a whirlwind um, of an experience um, since I started sourdough, which is kind of just a hobby I picked up um, two years ago. That's and you know that's hard to believe that you just yeah. started sourdough two years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, let's jump right in. And could you tell us a little bit more? I mean, about yourself and and yeah, and mm-hmm. your journey into sourdough baking. Yeah, sure. So i I've always loved baking. Within my culture, I'm Filipino. Um, so within our, our culture, we have a really, really deep appreciation for food. So I've always loved cooking and baking, but I never really made bread before. Mm. In 2018, I was working full-time as a PR consultant, and I was just very burnt out on my career. I didn't know if I wanted to advance within my career. I just had a lot of questions about it. And it was a really, really stressful job. So I got really burnt out. And thanks to the generosity of my partner, I was able to quit that job and just kind of take a career break. Mm-hmm. As somebody who has always been kind of an achiever, I got really, really bored not doing anything within my period of self-discovery. And I picked up sourdough as a hobby just because I was kind of really intrigued about it. I think I watched the documentary Cooked on Netflix. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, like a lot of people, I think, have that similar story. I mean, it was great for me during that time because sourdough, as you know, provides a lot of structure to your day, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. especially mm-hmm. when you just first started making it. So I think I got really deep into the hobby. I started a blog because all the information online was a little bit confusing for me personally. So I thought that if I put pen to paper, it would kind of help me with uptaking that knowledge. And I started really loving 
making my own recipes for breads. And that just became like a really fun way to share those with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned your, your Filipino heritage mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, what I'm all, I think that's kind of the most fascinating part of people's stories is, is kind of their relationship with food and, and bread specifically growing up. And, and sometimes it has nothing to do with their, you know, passion for sourdough. And sometimes it has everything. Were your parents bakers or, or what, how, what kind of role did food again play in your upbringing? And, and did, you know, was bread a part of that? Yeah, I think bread was definitely part of it. Not necessarily with my immediate family making it, but I think if you grew up in the Philippines, you always have this memory. The entire Philippines smelled like pandesal in the morning, which is just this, uh-huh. these bread rolls that we like that everybody eats. They're just they're little soft bread rolls. They're a little crusty, and they're coated with breadcrumbs. Wow, sounds amazing. It's so good. And that's what everybody eats in the morning. So there'll be these like little family run bakeries that make them every morning and they come in a brown paper bag and they're just usually hot and steaming. And everybody has them with for their breakfast with eggs or coffee. And then around 3 p.m. when, you know, we when I got out of school as a kid, there would be the smell of another bread, which is called pande coco. Um, <laughs> a little bit different from Brian. Artisan uh-huh, Brian, artisan Brian. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've made that one. Yeah. It's so good. So apparently our pandacoco is a really soft bread roll with a coconut jam inside. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I did a, me and Brian actually did a collaboration after we had met at Sabur. And we did a Filipino slash Honduran version of pande coco. And when I was doing my research about the origins of pande coco, it was actually introduced by the Spanish to the Philippines during colonization after they got it from Honduras. So that was like a really interesting part of the collaboration and something that we kind of both learned during that process. So in the morning, everything would smell like pandesal. And in the afternoon, everything would smell like pande coco. So we, I always so had cool. those like, yeah, I always had those like visceral memories of, you know, those two breads and those are super important within our culture. But other than that, my family never really made bread, but we always cooked, you know, that's how Filipino mm-hmm. shows a lot of is through cooking and, you know, serving your family members. Yeah, well, that's so. That's really interesting. I've never would have thought Honduran and Filipino bread culture would have intersected there, but I guess I, I'm a I'm a student of uh, Latin American history, and, and oh, so I, I guess it's not that surprising. But even I wouldn't have made that connection. But uh, I'll have to look up your your recipe. That sounds really good. What do you think it was about sourdough in general that originally captivated you the way that it did? Yeah, I think it's definitely the fermentation part of it that really attracted me just because there's so much information that you can take in. And Mm. while I was making my starter, it just kind of like opened like one, like one door after another of learning about if something goes wrong with your starter you know, like what's actually wrong with it. And that kind of just takes you in these like little rabbit holes. And every time you make a loaf of bread, I feel like there's always question marks, you know, about mm-hmm. like 
how come it didn't turn out right? Or like, what's wrong with my starter? So I think it's, for me, it was super easy to have it develop into this like hyper fixation <laughs> of yeah. kind of just taking in some like all this information and with every loaf of bread you're always learning something new. Yeah. It, it makes me think of a question I asked uh, another former guest Maurizio, which I, I understand was a a big influence in your yeah. baking. <laughs> uh I think I asked him a question like, you know, you approach sourdough how you kind of depends on how you're wired and, you know, are you more of an analytical type or a more of a, I don't know if I always forget if it's right brain or right left brain, but you know, mm. the kind of the more artistic and uh, conceptual type. And I think some people approach sourdough with the super, like, let's, you know, put everything down in in charts and Excel spreadsheets. And, and then the other people just kind of, it's just a creative process. That's just, you know, they don't, they're not so concerned about the technical data and all that stuff. Would you say that you fall on one of those sides more or are you more kind of in the middle? That's so hard. I I just, even as you're describing that, I was trying to ask myself that question of which side am I on? Because I do really geek out on Baker's math. And Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's why I've loved the blog and I really enjoyed the writing of the book. I love making recipes. That's literally my favorite part Mm. of making sourdough. And that has everything to do with knowing Baker's math, which I hated math when I was little. (laughs) So I was very surprised that I now love Excel sheets and math. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But that was like my favorite. That's been my favorite part of the sourdough process. But I also really love getting to be creative. Um, I think we have such limited opportunities to be creative as adults. And I think that's what, you know, really attracted me to sourdough is, you know, you can literally make anything. And Mm. I also really love, you know, getting to like do the lovely bread shapes and the scoring patterns. So that's like a really hard question. I guess I'm like right there in the middle. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, it's not really a binary decision right. or, you know, I think everybody, it's a blend of both and mm-hmm. there's nobody that's like, I'm not interested in the artistic side of it right. at all. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, yeah, I think everybody's somewhere in the middle. Well, speaking of Maurizio and blogs, I thought it was so cool. You actually won the same award as Maurizio the year after he did. And I know, like I said, he was, you mentioned he, he's in, he wasn't influenced in your bread journey, how, how surreal was that experience? I It was super surreal because I remember when I first started reading his blog and following him on Instagram, I was and I saw that he had won that award. I remember distinctly um, thinking like how cool it was that he did that, you know, with his blog. And so well-deserved as everybody who knows Maurizio and his um, blog, The Perfect Loaf. Mm-hmm. can say is it's just such an amazing resource for all of us. It was just insane that I was even nominated. It's funny because I didn't know that I was nominated at all. <laughs> really? How'd that summer. work? Yeah, for the Silver Blog Awards. But Jonna, her Instagram handle is to what place. She DM'd me and was like, I'm really looking forward to meeting you at the Silver Blog Awards. And <laughs> <laughs> the campaign period was kind of over at that point. I just never thought that I would be nominated. I had just started my uh, blog the year before 
And it was super, like such a fledgling blog. You know, I had no idea how to use WordPress. I didn't even have the slightest clue about photography at that point. And I was just, you know, kind of doing my thing and sharing all my um, recipes with the community. And I was super surprised that I was nominated. So I never even checked who was nominated, who the (laughs) finalists were, because I was like, there's no way, you know, (laughs) like I didn't, I never even like, obviously I checked the analytics of my blog, but it was just even a surprise that people knew about it at all. Yeah. uh... So yeah. So she told me that I was nominated and it was, I think it was like a week or two weeks before the event. I rechecked my email and I realized that they actually had emailed me (laughs) But I didn't check it because I thought it was like, I don't know, a newsletter email. (laughs) Uh And um, yeah, spam or something. And then I was totally shocked that I was nominated. And I went like with no expectations of winning at all. Just, you know, of Mm. having this, you know, once in a lifetime experience. And I was totally shocked that I had won Reader's Choice because I hadn't, you know, at all asked for votes or anything like that. Well, that's such a cool experience. And yeah, I mean, Maurizio is not a bad act to follow. <laughs> yeah, I think when I, at the Blog Awards, I had actually mentioned him in my speech because mm. I learned everything from Maurizio. I mean, as just did like, I. Yeah, just like a lot of other bakers. So much of what I noticed um, about sourdough to him. So it was so surreal that I was even, you know, in that same category. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, at what point in your sourdough journey did you did you think you would start the blog? And what would you say was what you're hoping? What what did you think you were wanting to achieve when you started the blog? Anything in particular? I think I was kind of making it for people like me who had to go to all of these different resources mm, to find mm. out the information that I, you know, that I was trying to find out about sourdough. So I was, I think my plans were to have like, you know, a terms glossary about all of the different terms that people throw around and are Mm -hmm. so confusing if you're not, you know, a microbiologist. You're like bulk fermentation and what's the difference between bulk and proofing and auto leads, just those things. So I was trying to kind of make a resource for people like me who wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of turned into something else, which is sharing the recipes that I made just because, Mm. you know, as I was sharing them through my Facebook groups and through Instagram, people were kind of always asking me, you know, about my flavor combinations that I was doing about, you know, the crazy stuff I was doing with sourdough discard. And I just started sharing those on the blog and it quickly turned into more of that kind of a resource to, you know, share what I love to do, which is, you know, make crazy stuff out of sourdough. Yeah, yeah. Well, and of, of course, that morphed into your your book. And and but you know, before we do move towards your your beautiful book that you have uh, published this year, I kind of wanted to talk about maybe just in general the year that has been twenty twenty. That yeah. <laughs> you know this this episode will will probably be aired in in January. We're still in December here. And so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's worth talking about how crazy this year has been. And, and this has kind of been a big year for you. Well, I guess, first off, how, how, is, how are you doing? How have you fared this year? How's your family? Is everybody healthy? 
Yeah, my family is super healthy. Actually, my brother, um, who's a doctor, had a bout with COVID. Really? Yeah. So he was diagnosed, I think, a few months ago. He's doing well. It was it was kind of a mild, he did get a fever, but it was mm-hmm. it, it was definitely a mild case. But yeah, so COVID has definitely touched our family. Yeah. Thankfully, it was pretty minor. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's been such a crazy experience. I remember my last episode of last season talking about it, and it just really had started to grow at that point. And it was just, it was still kind of like, oh, this is some crazy thing. And here we are in December, and it's you know peaking in many places. But COVID, I mean, it's it's even affected our our little sourdough community in a in a weird way. And I don't know if you experienced this, but you know, a really large uh, peak of interest in sourdough mm-hmm. this earlier this year. And I was wondering, you know, what do you think it is about this exact cultural moment that has made sourdough so popular as a sourdough blogger and author? I think I really relate with people who picked up sourdough during the pandemic, kind of like me when I was um, quit my job two years ago. So mm-hmm. I think sourdough, like I said in the beginning, for me personally, provide a lot of structure in my life when I didn't mm. feel like I had any. So, you know, at a moment when I was kind of like really lost and didn't know what was next for me, I, you know, would wake up every day, feed my starter, kind of see what was going on with it, um, go to the blogs or go to, you know, King Arthur's website and uh-huh. kind of read about it and learn some something new about it every day and it just kind of just like a distraction at the time and also you know a really great way to have structure in my life when I didn't have at a time that was really confusing and I didn't have any so that was me for me personally um how it was and I think for a lot of people probably like probably felt that way um during the start of the pandemic Mm-hmm. Maybe they're uh, at home working from home and don't have a commute, and they they find themselves with maybe an hour or two on either side of their workday. So yeah, I mean that's kind of people always ask like, how do you fit, you know, a sourdough starter maintenance routine, or or how do you make sourdough when you work? And I think maybe that was a part of that equation Definitely, that kind yeah. of spurred a lot of interest was maybe a couple extra hours a day. And just being home. Yeah, most for of that sure. Time. Have you received any like COVID or quarantine related questions on your blog recently? Or or has that uh, made its way into your blog at all? Yeah, I think the visits on my blog just kind of exploded during COVID. <laughs> and at that, yeah, mm-hmm. at that time, I was kind of, I was working a full-time job. So I was super busy and I actually couldn't pour my attention into the blog, which was unfortunate. So I kind of couldn't nurture that new community as much as I would have wanted to. I think there's definitely more interest in the blog, but I haven't had any specific COVID related. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what those questions would be. But I don't know either. I just, yeah. I, I definitely noticed. Like to get flour or something. <laughs> no, that's definitely one I, I've, I've received, you know, where do you get, I mean, yeah, there was a time a few months ago where there just wasn't even flour on the shelves to buy. Um, I know, you know, I have a really interesting story about the whole flour crisis during mm-hmm. COVID. So after I won the Sabur, um magazine award, 
Central Milling contacted me to do kind of a giveaway and just like a little collaboration between me and their brand. I actually ordered the flower, I think in February. And that was at the time when I was writing my book. And that also the time that all the stores ran out of flowers. So without central milling, um, I, the book wouldn't exist. I don't think because I wouldn't have been able to get any flower. Wow. No, that was, yeah. Serendipitous timing. I, I remember, I remember that time because I, I had this conversation with, um, Bonnie, uh, mm-hmm. O'Hara alchemy bread. And, you know, cause I, I do also, you know, when I can get my hands on central milling, it's uh, yeah, it is, it is hard to get out here in the central Valley, but, uh, I do prefer that flower. And then, you know, and so I'm used to this, you know, kind of higher quality special order flower. Like many other people found myself without any flower options. Mm-hmm. If I can get flower at all, do I bake with whatever I can get, or do I not bake at all? If I can't get, you know, good flour and, and Bonnie would really kind of brought me back down to, to earth. And it was just like, okay, you know, this is uh this is not a big deal. Let's, let's, let's everybody, <laughs> you know, bake with the flour that you have, you know, bread is better than no bread. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll get back the to organic. The organic yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. When, when we have the option, but yeah. I think it's, yeah. I agree. She made a good point. It's just more important to feed our community and feed mm-hmm. our family than worry about the, you know, the quality of the flowers. So that's why I was so grateful that I had that at that time, especially when I was writing my book, which would have been a crazy added stress. Well, you know, speaking of your book, I, you know, I received my uh, copy of sourdough every day in the mail. Just, I've loved digging through it and I'm just so impressed. Congratulations. It's a really beautiful book and I, it's got so many recipes, I, you know, <laughs> all containing sourdough or sourdough discard. It's going to be high on my you know, list of, of bread books to give out. I, I always feel like my little sister got into sourdough for like a few months, a few, couple of years ago. And I still give her, <laughs> Oh, you gotta, you gotta get this book. I'll send her all these sourdough products and, so I don't even know if she's into it anymore, but I keep sending her stuff. So this is one of those books that I think is such a great book for people of all levels, but definitely beginners. It's very approachable. You have a great section in the beginning about starting a starter and and, and just your basic sourdough loaf. And then it just has so many great recipes, sweet and savory and breakfast and yeah it just it's just it's an amazing collection so I just want to congratulate you on a on a great uh, beautiful book again thank you for writing that really generous recommendation about the book which really oh, helped that, you, <laughs> oh, my putting pleasure. It together. yeah I know I was I was just <laughs> made my day seeing seeing my little blurb on the back and and just like what I you know this little this guy talking geeking out online um about sourdough and and now I yeah on the back of a book uh like yours so when when did it officially release it was released on December 15 yeah so a few weeks ago and it's been kind of crazy I think it's it's not really available right now on any of the retailers online oh really yeah which I feel bad about because people can't really order it right now but I think there there will be more coming I think it's the fulfillment part of it has been a Mm. little rough for retailers. People's books were behind, even for people who had pre-ordered. I'm really happy that when people are getting the books that they're really happy with it. 
you know, and I think a lot of baking books, they have a section on sourdough and, and mm-hmm. but, you know, and they're, but you have a lot of recipes in there that I think a lot of people wouldn't even associate with sourdough. Yeah. <laughs> like what's, what's one recipe that you think people will be surprised to find in your book that has sourdough in it? Um, probably the the entire section on pasta and dumplings. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a recipe on there about potato cheese pierogies with, and the wrappers made with sourdough and then the um, gyoza with the dumpling Uh, wrapper recipe that incorporates sourdough as well. Yeah. Mm. So there's so many in there. And, you know, for me, the book was huge personal challenge because as somebody who is a cookbook fan, I really wanted to provide people with a huge variety of recipes and not just kind of, you know, a riff on, you know, a bagel with one base, Mm -hmm. you know, bread recipe, which is great too. And, you know, allows people to be creative, but I really wanted to do a really, uh, a huge, you know, variety of recipes like biscotti and graham crackers, stuff that, you know, were a personal challenge to me of trying to figure out, can this be done? Which I think is a huge part of what I love about having my blog is just kind of challenging myself to make things that I never even would think I could bake myself in the past. Yeah. Well, that's we're kind of related to two listener questions I got. Uh, and so I'll, I'll read those. And it's one's from blissful bread and bakery. She wanted to know how you developed your recipes mm. and then uh, D D rantings asked, how would someone at home uh, adapt recipes using natural leavening? Yeah, so I guess you know how did you, how did you develop those recipes for your book, and and how could mm-hmm. somebody do something similar at home with something that might, might not be in your book? Yes, the recipes were really like I said, a personal challenge to myself first and foremost, and are of things that I love to eat. So, mm. for example, like a biscotti recipe wouldn't necessarily have a lot of water in it, so it was really a challenge trying to figure out. Um, how to add water into a cookie recipe that doesn't want moisture in it. Mm. To do that, I kind of just first do a large search of recipes online and kind of figure out, you know, are there recipes out there that do add a little bit of water to a biscotti? And Mm. are there other elements in a biscotti that's made of water that I could substitute the water and sourdough from from. because at the end of the day sourdough is just flour and water right Mm -hmm. I keep mine at 100% hydration and the only really the only reason that I do that is because then I could then it's really easy to figure out how much water is in it a really good way to that I found to do the substitutions is egg whites, for example. Oh, like, wow. yeah. So I would take out, you know, egg whites from the recipe, which I think is roughly like 30 grams of, you know, moisture. And I would just add egg yolks and then use the starter for liquid, which is, you know, the egg white. Mm-hmm. So that's like wow. a new trick that I learned when I was developing recipes. Yeah. <laughs> I've attempted to do something similar mm-hmm. with like pizza dough recipes, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, you go above and beyond. And how many recipes are in your book? Originally 60 recipes, but because bread recipes are so long, we had to cut a few just so that we could uh-huh. fit into the, you know, page count requirements for the book. Well, one of them that 
came to mind uh, just is the ramen recipe. Yeah. You were talking about your your noodles and pastas, and and that was something, especially like in the middle of winter. Uh, and I've kind of dabbled in pasta, but you use uh, baking soda mm-hmm. and or baked baking soda and incorporate sourdough. So I'm just, I, I was very intrigued by that one. And I can only imagine how like the addition of like a pre-fermented flour would like enhance the flavor, uh, flavor profile of like a ramen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I think that's something we want to try over here at our house. You definitely should. We haven't made it with broth, but I've made it with kind of the sauce in the book. Or, you know, just like kind of like a soy, soy, soy sauce-based stir-fry sauce. And it's it's, it's really good. Mm-hmm. You can really tell the difference with adding that little bit of baking soda. just gives it such a really nice chew that you use your okay. experience with ramen and, you know, the Chinese egg noodles. That makes it super different from pasta. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait to try it out. And I can't wait for you have to you... try it out and you'll have to let me yeah, know it. For sure. I'll, I'll definitely post about it when I do. Yeah. Another question uh, had to do with like whole grains and you definitely have a few whole grain recipes in there. And John Hess wanted to know if you had a favorite whole grain you like to use Mm. or, you know, have you ventured out much into like the heirloom heritage grain uh, world? I was kind of getting into it when I first started sourdough. I actually have a mock mill, which I love. I think it can make you super, can let you be super creative with your breads and your recipes, just having that, that ability to use um, different types of grains. I'm not super huge into the heritage grains yet. I do really love the white Sonoran, which is um, what oh, yeah. they locally grow here in Tucson. But my favorite grain would be felt. I think I always use felt okay. and everything. I don't know why, but I just really love the taste. It's so sweet mm. and earthy. I think I also really love white Sonora just cause it gives that like extra bit of sweetness to your loaves when you use it mm. and a little bit mm-hmm. of softness too. So those two would have to be my favorite. Yeah. You know, you have great uh, access to some really beautiful Sonora out there. Yeah, the definitely. Desert. That was some of the first um, heritage grain I ever used was mm. from Hayden, uh, flour mills. In oh yeah. Tempe. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I even have, I've, I've found some white Sonora here in central California and mm. uh, yeah, it's one of my favorites to, to work with. Do you guys have a lot of access to, um, a lot of grains over there? Surprisingly, no, you know, oh. like we are a huge agriculture uh, state and, you know, but it's all, you know, kind of irrigated kind of high value products like nuts and and Mm. fruit and uh, not a lot of wheat, you know, wheat's been on a steady decline here in the Valley, but uh, that's something I'm like super passionate about and and, and, uh, familiarizing people with in my cottage bakery is, is, the fact that there is local grain and um, I'm super excited. My, one of my friends in town that I met through a bread is a farmer. Oh, how uh, and he is, yeah. And he's going to be planting some wheat in the next couple of days here um, for the first time. And so I'll have some super local wheat um, summertime when he harvests. So couldn't be more excited about that. His name's John Eck. So that's such an amazing connection to have. And you yeah, can see it from, you know, from seed to your loaves. 
I know. I, I'm he's he's going to plant it here probably in a couple of days, and I you know for months I've been telling him I'm going to be like a little fly on the wall, like or fly on his tractor, you know, following him around, uh, watching the process. But unfortunately, COVID, of course, yeah, uh, kind of like keeping keeping home. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, yes, I mm-hmm. I can go on about local. How exciting! Heritage grains and all that stuff. You know, as far as inspiration for your book, was there was there one particular source or a few sources that you drew upon in in writing your book? I know you said um, Rizio and mm-hmm. uh, was it foolproof baking? Maybe yeah, yeah. Kristen has a lot to do with the techniques that I know for bread making. I think she really put my baking on another level. In terms mm. of baking books, Sarah Owens is always such a great inspiration to me as well. I love, I think her sourdough cookbook is actually the first cookbook, the first sourdough cookbook that I've ever um, received. My brother gave that Uh, to me when I told him that I was kind of getting into the sourdough thing. Oh, it's a great one. Yeah. So she was super inspirational in using starter in unexpected bakes as well, because with her other, with her, I think her entire book series, she also makes a lot of discard recipes. So, um, yeah, so I think her and obviously Mauricio and, um, yeah, there's just so many people that are so generous with their recipes and the information that they have in this community. So, um, I'm oh, all yeah. like pulling from different people. Yeah. Well, not, you're so right. And that's been my experience and I know the experience of so many people, mm-hmm with the kind of the online sourdough community and, and yeah, everybody is, you know, I come across as just super generous and, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they're on Instagram accessible and I've just learned so much through instant messaging or yeah. direct messaging yeah. or comments, you know, and it's such a cool way to bake and like interact with people. And yeah, I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about your experience with your followers or are, mm-hmm. are there certain blogs and accounts you do you follow or well you mentioned yeah foolproof and and Sarah mm-hmm. Owens what's been your experience online yeah I mean I think I love the sourdough community online I think everybody's so generous with their knowledge and their expertise and all always willing to help I think Trevor J. Wilson is another one who's just super informative and I think has been so um, influential in a lot of people's baking. Mauricio, obviously. Have you made any, any, any friendships uh, or, or, you know, with people who you've never actually met? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously Brian Ford, um, I met through. And yeah, it's funny. He actually visited Las Vegas a few months ago and we ended up hanging out. That's so cool. Um, that was super fun because you know that's like such an he's such an interesting guy. Obviously, super fascinating. So that was like a really nice. We had a really nice time. Tammy Jones, I think Bread Baking Girl is her um, huh? Instagram handle. Yeah, we just always you know talk about her you know beautiful croissants and you know we're I think recently um, I started getting into making pies and. You know, we bought, Ooh. yeah, we bought the same book. So we were, we've been kind of, um, you know, discussing the pitfall of pies. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I've made so many friends online just with the entire sourdough community that I, you know, never would have met before. And I think, you know, the sourdough community is so kind up to a fault because I think like 
before when I first started, I would just post these breads. And even if I was like really disappointed in the loaf, everybody would be like, oh, but it's so <laughs> edible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It? I bet it's it great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, so they're so encouraging. Yeah, so encouraging. So encouraging. Up to the point that I literally had no clue about what actually <laughs> was my bread. So finally, one day I was just kind of like, you guys, what's wrong with my bread? I really want to know. Like, <laughs> so if, you, if you're a sourdough expert, can you please critique my bread? I kind of posed that question to one of the sourdough Facebook groups I was in. And then people kind of started trickling in and were like, it's yeah. under fermented or, you know, you need to bulk more. Here's what you need to do. Sometimes when somebody posts something and they're, you know, asking for a critique, I'm just, I try to be really honest with them because that really helped me, mm. you know, yeah, for sure. because I literally didn't know what was going on with my breads and what was wrong with them because everybody was always so nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely experienced that. And uh, I think our community is definitely the type that will be, yes, we'll give you some honest feedback, but in, a cur- in an encouraging yes. way. Yeah. Um, but even when it, when it's a little blunt, it's like, I think most people who are trying to improve their bread really appreciate that advice, especially if it's coming from, you know, a cottage baker or a a bakery owner. So, Mm -hmm. well, I know you're also involved with, uh, bakers in need. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about that and, and how they can get involved? Yeah. So bakers in need is now a 501c3 officially, a nonprofit organization that was started by Tyler, um, who we all know as the maker and inventor of those beautiful loms that everybody loves, Aware yeah. Monkey. And he kind of just did it to um, help the community of bakers that have supported his company since the beginning. So he's kind of just giving back to any bakers or cottage bakers whose livelihood has been affected by COVID-19. So unfortunately, another tragedy of COVID is um, a lot of the bakeries um, had to close or, you know, maybe somebody was funding their cottage bakery with, you know, a full-time job that maybe they got laid off from. So he just kind of did this super simple thing of giving money directly to the bakers who applied for the fund. So he, I think he donates about half of the award money. So I think before we were giving away 500 because we had enough donations, um, we do ask for donations and Tyler would kind of give 250 from the fund and 250 from the wire monkey um, company. But I think after the whole excitement of, you know, when we first announced it, the donations kind of trickled out. So we're not Mm. going to help bakers as much as we used to. Yeah, if people are interested in helping out at all, they can visit Bakers in Need to donate or even apply if they're, you know, a baker who needs, you know, a few funds to kind of maybe kickstart their bakery over again or just anything yeah. that can help them with operation costs or anything like that. Yeah, well, that's it's a great organization. Uh, I've been involved with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler is a great guy and... He's included me in in on this, you know, I've been able to sell my uh, UFO, uh, sourdough podcast UFOs, and and we were able to, through those funds that we raised on my podcast and through your purchase, we're also able to 
uh, su support the organization and it's, it's definitely needed. And I know, you know, it's probably if anything going to increase that needs going to increase in the coming months before it, before it's gone. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I'm on the board of the organization and, you know, just talking to Tyler, we, you know, we really love, you know, right now we love helping, you know, the bakers directly and we'd really want it to evolve into, you know, something even bigger of maybe um, connecting bakers with sources of information like yourself who, who, you know, has experienced um, starting their own cottage bakery. So we really want it to evolve into something, you know, much bigger. Hopefully, you know, as 2021 unfolds, we can kind of realize some of those goals. Yeah. Well, keep me informed and definitely. I'll be ha definitely happy to keep uh, links up there, put, put a link on my website and in when this episode's released in the show notes. And um, yeah, it's a great organization. Tyler's a great guy. And mm -hmm. so thank you guys for, yeah, for that, putting that together. And it's, it's just, it's definitely something people need right now, especially in our community. So yeah, definitely such a great organization. I know that um, Tyler just loves giving back to the community because it's kind of what it's us and the bakers within the sourdough community that support him, you know, support me, pe uh, people like me and um, your program as well. So we love, you know, to do whatever we can to, to give back to the community. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And um, yeah, we've gone over an hour. I told you it'd be 45 minutes. But um, yeah, so in conclusion, you know, I just I want to thank you again for coming on. And I, maybe one last question. You know, what's next for, for Hannah De La Cruz? On to bigger and better things or a second cookbook in the works or, or maybe like a, a bakery uh, coming coming down the line? It's such a, for, oh gosh, it's such a question mark. <laughs> After the book, it's kind of, I was just so exhausted from putting the book together. I definitely have plans for another cookbook, something that's, right. yeah, that's connected more to my Filipino heritage. Yes. So yeah, hopefully get to put that together in the next year. Um, I recently moved to Tucson, Arizona, so it's been kind of an exhausting year. So I, yeah. I've taken kind of the month of, a, of December as kind of a break from mm -hmm. doing anything. But next year, I think the Filipino cookbook would be the first priority. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'd be super interested in, in a follow-up version to Sourdough Every Day. So. Definitely. Hopefully well, you can make how, me another recommendation. <laughs> oh, you bet. Anytime. <laughs> so how can people uh, connect with you, Hannah? Yeah, where can they, where's your blog and, and where can they find your book? Yeah. So my blog is makeitdough.com and I'm on Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook at makeitdough. And my book is currently not available on retailers, but it soon will be, or maybe it is. <laughs> when the show airs. So, yeah. um, yeah, so it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books Depository, several other retailers online. Okay. Well, I hope they get their act together and get <laughs> people, uh, their books, um, because it's a great, a great book with, again, just, uh, such a wide variety of delicious sourdough recipes. And so, well, congratulations, Hannah, on, on a great, 
uh, book and a great couple last years. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Michael. It was such a pleasure. I'm building half a lie when I say I'll be there. Cause I'm not sure I really want to go To be the man I really want to be is a question I never ask myself enough But you need to plant a seed and watch it grow And I fit into the part that you made And so I go So I go So I go I'm thirty-something now Still I see the question Everything I have become I feel most everything From everyone around me And it feels good to belong But I need to plant a seed And watch it grow So I can be what I can be and then I'll go and I'll go And then I'll go